the message about renewing our mind and releasing what's inside of us. I want to tell you another story about a man named Jed. A poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. Then one day he was shooting at some food and up through the ground came a bubbling crude. Oil, that is. Black gold. Texas tea. Well, the first thing you know, old Jed's a millionaire. Kinfolk said, Jed, move away from there. Said, California is the place you ought to be. So they loaded up the truck and they moved to Beverly. Hills, that is. Swimming pools, movie stars. Jed Clampett and his family had more finances. They had everything that they needed to live in luxury and style. All they had to do was withdraw from the reserve that they already had. They never really understood how much was really available, available to them. Even though Jed and his family moved to that mansion in Beverly Hills, they lived in that mansion with a poverty mentality. Their address had changed, but their thinking remained the same. They were part of a new world. They were part of a new kingdom. But not much had changed. They still dressed the same. They still talked the same. They still lived the same. Everything was new, and there was a new beginning there. But they refused to change. Other than moving to that mansion. Everything they needed was right there at their fingertips. But they would go the hard way. If Granny wanted to cook, she'd go out and cut firewood and cook over an open fire. When she had a stove sitting there right in front of her, all she had to do was turn it on. She would go fetch water, or they would go fetch water from the cement pond, which was the swimming pool. (laughs) Or they would go drill wells in their neighbor's yards to go get water. When they had the faucet right there, all they had to do was turn on the water. They had more water than they could ever use. For a long time, they thought the upstairs, I don't know if you remember or not, and I should ask, does everybody know who the Beverly Hillbillies are? <laughs> you know, some, uh, some might not, but that's good uh, if you do. Um, they thought the upstairs belonged to someone else. For a long time, they wouldn't go up there. They drove around in a beat-up truck with Granny sitting in a rocking chair. They ate possum. They drank moonshine, which Granny made. Their Their clothes were tattered. They were rich, yet they had that poverty mentality. They had been brought out of the deepest, darkest hollow that came out of the Ozarks. Very, very poor area. A place of bondage where there's really no escape. Typically, there's no way out. 
lived in a shack. But a way was made for them, and they were moved from that shack to live in a mansion in Beverly Hills. They were blessed with a place where all their needs could be met, a place where they could live like royalty. Now, I don't want to even focus on all the material things that they could have had. That's not what I'm trying to make a point about. The point I want to make and the picture I want to paint is how they just refused to renew their mind to what they already had. Just like many members of the body of Christ, we're not the Beverly Hillbillies, but we're the kingdom hillbillies. (laughs) We too have been brought out of bondage, out of darkness. We've been transformed from darkness to light. See, when we became born again, it's like the clampets moving from the shack to the mansion. See, that's what's happened to us. We've moved from the shack to the mansion. That's salvation. That's being born again. We've come out of the shack, out of the Ozarks, and moved into the kingdom, God's kingdom. Through the precious blood of Jesus, we are adopted as God's own and became children of the king. You are, if you're born again, all of you are sons and daughters of God Almighty. Do you realize the position of power that you're in? Do you realize what that means? Do you know this was what infuriated the Pharisees and the Sadducees about Jesus? That Jesus called God his father. That made them furious. That was a blasphemous statement in their minds. You know why? In the Hebrew culture, when you say and call somebody your father, you're saying that you're equal with them. So Jesus was saying that he was equal with his father had all the the benefits of his father, had all the characteristics of his father. This blew their mind. They could not comprehend this. That's why they were so angry with Jesus. But you know what's cool? This is what Jesus brought to us. This is what Paul tells us that we are. Not only father, but daddy. And he's telling us, when you say that he's your father, you're saying that you're equal with him. We are. That's what it means to be born again. Now we are born from above. We are born of God. We are children, father, son, daughter of God. So you are equal. And this is the amazing result of what Jesus did. The position of power that he has placed us in, we haven't even scratched the surface. You are created in God's image, in our spirit. 
You have formative power when you speak your words, just like God. How did God create the universe? He spoke it into existence. You have that same formative power when you speak words of life. Just like Pastor Ross and their family, when they spoke words of life, they spoke formative words of power that brought life into that situation. And death had to flee. Darkness had to flee. The light will overcome darkness every single time. It cannot comprehend it. It cannot overcome it. Darkness cannot overtake light. You take darkness into light, light is going to overtake the darkness. Even the smallest flicker of a flame, if this room was pitch black, if there was one candle in here, you'd be able to see it. Even though 99% of the room would be dark, you'd be able to see that, that, that one candle. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Do you get that? What do you think Jesus deserves? What do you think, after all Jesus went through, what do you think he earned from his father? Wasn't his father completely pleased and satisfied with what he did and then gave him everything, put everything under his feet? We are joint heirs co-heirs, equal heirs with Jesus. Not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And he loves us so much that he wants to share it with all of us. That's why we are called his body. He is the head. We are his body. We are part of Jesus. You are part of Jesus. You know, I don't say this to offend anybody. Because I used to call myself this, but I am no longer a follower of Jesus. Jesus is in me. Jesus is the head. Can you follow your head around? Can your body follow your head around? No, your body goes wherever your head goes. Jesus is the head. We are the body. Where Jesus goes, we go. You know, when I used to call myself a follower of Jesus, I used to think that I could make a wrong turn and I could lose Jesus. Jesus went straight. I took a right turn and went into the bar and got drunk. Even as a born-again believer. And I had condemnation. I had guilt. I had fear. But now I know Jesus made that right turn. He went right in the bar with me. That's what's so amazing about grace. Now that I have that knowledge, I have no desire to go into a bar and get drunk anymore. It's a whole different mindset. See, we can, you can suffer from separation anxiety when you, you keep saying that you're a follower of Jesus. Because, like I said, you can think that you've made a wrong turn, you've messed up, you're screwed up, you've sinned. And you've separated yourself from Jesus. You got lost. And now I got to work. I got to scramble to, you know, uh, go, I got to go back to church. I got to do all this thing to, you know, to get back and follow Jesus again. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? 
You know, the, in the New Testament, the real true definition, uh, the word that is used for follower is disciple. That's what disciple means. It means a follower of a teaching, of a mindset. In the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, disciple is used over 200 times. In the book of Acts, this is before the gospel is before Jesus went to the cross. They were disciples before Jesus went to the cross. The book of Acts, disciples only used 13 times. In the epistles, the letters to the church written by Paul, and then the letters written by James, Peter, and John, disciple is not used one time. Not at all. There's been a shift. There's been a change. We are joint heirs. We are children of God. We are no longer followers of Jesus Christ. We are in Jesus. Jesus is in us. It's who we are. That's what it means to be born again. Just like Kent was born into the Cox family. His name is Kent Cox. He is not a follower of the Cox family. He is the Cox family. The Cox family is him. Everything that the Cox family has is his. Everything that is about the Cox family is Kent. We are children of God. We, that's our name now. We are as Jesus is. So I stopped calling myself a follower and it's taken a lot of pressure off of me. And now I realize that the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God Almighty, is inside of me and goes with me wherever I go. Just knowing this just changes your viewpoint and your outlook and everything you say and do. It's such a powerful position to be in. Being joint heirs with Jesus means we have been forgiven all sin. We have been healed of all diseases. We have been, our lives have been redeemed from destruction. We have been, we're surrounded. When it says that we're crowned, means that means you're surrounded with grace and compassion. And your youth has been renewed. All of these blessings, all of the attributes of the kingdom are in us. But many of us, myself included, for so long refused to receive that and remained in poverty. Colossians 1.13 says that, I think we have that up on the screen. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. You notice the second word, he has. That's past tense. You have already been delivered into, the, or, or delivered from the power of dark. You have already been delivered. That's past tense. And conveyed. And that Greek word for conveyed means to remove from one place to another. 
We have been removed from darkness to light. Our address has changed, just like the Beverly Hillbillies. We are now sons and daughters of God Almighty. We are now able to partake from the king's table. God has blessed us and placed us in the king's palace, a mansion complete with all of his blessings. He set before you a banquet table full and says, come and dine. Psalms 23, very familiar passage. Verses 5 and 6 I want to focus on. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Going back to verse 5, it says, You prepare a table. The Hebrew word there, if you look it up, means king's table. It's not just table. It's the king's table. He has prepared the king's table before us in the presence of our enemies. See, that's why you can't spiritualize this verse and say that this is when we go to heaven because we're not going to have any enemies in heaven. So it's got to be here. He prepares that, sets you at the king's table here in the presence of sickness and disease, in the presence of lack and poverty, and say, here, dine from my table in the presence of all that's going around you, the darkness that's all around you. You are in light at the king's table. In the presence of my enemies, enemies, the Hebrew word there is adversary or oppressor. What is Satan? He's the adversary. He oppresses us. So in the presence of the adversary, your table is prepared. Sit down and have a feast with all the blessings that God has set at the table for you. He has abundantly placed gifts in us and say, here, children, They belong to you. Open them up. Enjoy them. And God only has good gifts. He doesn't have gag gifts. He doesn't wrap up a pretty package. Like, remember that old show, was Let's Make a Deal, and he had to pick between the three doors there, and usually between two of the doors were gag gifts, bad gifts, and one of the door had the, the big grand prize. God, with God, all three doors are the grand prize. Amen. You can't go wrong. He only has good gifts for us. He doesn't give us sickness. He doesn't give us disease. What parent would try to teach their children by hurting them, by making them sick? That's not the way God would teach us. That's not the way he teaches us. Matthew seven eleven says, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Any loving parent will tell you that they will do anything they can for their children. They love, I love to give gifts to my children. I just, I hear 
a hint of something that they want, and I will do everything in my power to make that come into manifestation. And yeah, I shouldn't have said it while she's here. And, that's a secret I've been keeping for 27 years. No. But I think she knows that because they have met, so many things have manifested uh, in gifts that, that I have given. But that's me. How much more, God, for us? How much more? You know, we, you know, with my, I don't even know the best way to go about it sometimes, but it's my desire to give her my best. That's the way God is. He wants to give us his best. You know, it would just overwhelm us if we really knew how much God has already done for us. If we would just take time to open the gifts and, and, and see and investigate. But instead, we choose to remain kingdom hillbillies. We're saved we're going to heaven someday when we leave this body. But all of the blessings of God are already inside of you. I think when we get to heaven and we, we say, okay, where's all, these, all the blessings, God? And he's going to look at us and say, they were right inside you the whole time. You had them the whole time. No condemnation, but he is trying to get the message to us to enjoy and bring his kingdom here to earth now. You know, just like the Clampets, for a long time they thought that the upstairs, the upper level, belonged to somebody else. That's the way the body of Christ looks at it. Yeah, we've got salvation. We're going to heaven. That's great. That's, I'm not minimizing that. But we think anything above that, anything higher than that, that doesn't belong to us. Healing doesn't belong to us. We can't ask for that. Just have that mentality of the upper things, the higher things belong to somebody else. Or maybe those that belongs to the really spiritual people. You know, the people that, you know, just uh, fast and pray, you know, all day long. No, it's for all of his children. The upper floor does belong to us. It's part of the package. It's part of the house. It's part of the mansion. We think we don't deserve these gifts a lot of times because we have a performance mentality. We've been trained in this world to perform and that we get success or failure by our good performance or lack of performance gets us failure. Sometimes we look at God like that. If I'm going to church all the time. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm reading the word. So, you know, yeah, maybe I will get a benefit here and there. But then there are other times when you don't pray as much as you think you should. You don't read the word. And then say, wow, you know, God, he's not going to do anything for me. He's got to be disappointed. You're even hiding from God. Just like Adam and Eve did. 
But God went looking for Adam. God is out looking for you right now. It's not based on whether we deserve it or not. None of us deserve it. The most Mother Teresa didn't deserve it. None of us come anywhere near close to the righteousness and the expectations of God. That's why we needed a Savior. That's why Jesus came to do it for us, not only for us, but as us. That was us hanging on the cross. We don't get away with anything. All sin was paid for in the body of Jesus. You don't think Jesus was punished? All of God's wrath, all of his punishment was poured out on Jesus at the cross. Jesus took all of our sin, all of our lack of performance to the cross. And God poured out his wrath. But Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Jesus was still there after the wrath was poured out. See, in the Old Testament with the sacrifices, when God's wrath came down, the fire came down, the sacrifice was totally consumed. Just a little pile of ashes left. Jesus absorbed all of the wrath of God and was still there. He did that before he even departed from his body. That's why he said, it is finished. The wrath of God was completely poured out on him and God was totally satisfied. No longer to hold it against you and punish you, and pour his wrath out on you. Jesus is your perfect sacrifice. Renewing our mind to this fact and to the other truths in God's word is the key to living a successful life as a believer. Just to refresh, what are we remind, or renewing our mind to? What it really means to be born again. What that really means, just like we explained earlier, that you are a child of God now. We need to find out and renew our mind to what has happened in our regenerated spirit. That's what it means to be born again. See, You were without a spirit until you were born again. That's the problem, the condition that man is in. See, when Adam and Eve were originally created, they were created spirit first, then the body, and then they became a living soul. They were supposed to be led by the spirit in everything that they said and did. But the flesh got in the way. Their five senses got in the way. Their body got in the way. Their body, their senses said, uh, Satan coming in says, hey, you know, God's holding out on you. You know, if you uh, ate of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you could be just like God. They didn't realize they were already like God. 
but they let their five senses control them. How many of us let our five senses control us instead of our regenerated spirit? That's exactly what Adam and Eve did. They let their flesh control it. They went with their senses. They went with what they could see, what they could taste, what they could touch. That's when they did not believe the word of God and they went with what they thought was best. That's when their spirit basically deflated. That's when they were separated from God. See, the soul, our mind, our heart, not our brain, but our mind, the center of us, the core of us, who we really are, how we think, our emotions, our core being, that's designed, God designed that to plug into something. He designed it to plug into our spirit. And then our spirit and our mind are supposed to work together, which controls our body. But see, when Adam and Eve did that, they deflated the spirit. The spirit was no longer there. The mind, the soul, the emotions defaulted and plugged into the body. From then on, being controlled by their five senses. And see, that's why man has messed up the world. See, God gave dominion to man, but God gave man dominion in his spirit. Spirit and soul were supposed to work together. And being led by the Spirit, we were supposed to come to God for everything. Every decision that had to be made. Every choice that had to be made. Every, everything that was going on, come to God. Commune with God. Talk to God about it. Have a relationship with God. And see, then that's the dominion now we're supposed to operate with. But when the spirit was deflated and we were separated from God, we plugged in, the soul defaulted and plugged into the body and the five senses started to control everything. And you can't tell me, so many people say, oh, we don't have dominion on this earth. You cannot honestly sit there and tell me that. This whole world is all about man trying to have dominion and control over everything. And it's mostly over other people. That's why we, there's countries. That's why there's wars. That's why there's armies. That's why there's you know, political figures. It's all about control. It's all about dominion. But it's all perverted because it's controlled by the five senses. It's all selfish. It's all about me. It's all about elevating me. Even when you're saying you're doing it for your country, you're elevating yourself you know, to be the leader of this country. See, the dominion is perverted now. The dominion is still there. But see, now, when we're born again, our spirits are regenerated. The air, God's air is blown back into our spirit. But the key is, of renewing your mind, is now you have to make a choice to unplug from the flesh from your five senses and now replug into the regenerated spirit back to being led by the spirit back to having communion with God back to checking with God with everything that you every decision that you make that's the dominion that we're supposed to have 
led by the Spirit of God in our regenerated spirit. And then the Holy Spirit is in us in addition to our spirit. Now we've got an extra benefit that Adam didn't have. We have the Holy Spirit in there, right in there, to lead us and guide us into all truth. But we have to renew our mind. We have to make that choice to stop being controlled by our five senses and be led by the Spirit. See, that's what Cindy did. That's what I did with him. I decided to go against what my flesh was telling me. Cindy went against what the flesh was telling me. Pastor Ross's family went against what the flesh was telling them. They plugged into the Spirit and said, okay, God, what do I need to say here? He said, speak life into that situation. Don't accept death. Speak resurrection life into that situation. That's the power of being led by the Spirit instead of being led by the flesh. If they had have agreed with the doctor and said, yep, he's dead, he's not going to be around anymore, Pastor Ross, he wouldn't be here today. They had a choice. We all have a choice. When you have sickness attacking your body, you have a choice. Are you going to agree with that sickness? Are you going to claim it as yours? Are you going to allow it to stay there? Or are you going to plug into your spirit and say, no, sickness and disease do not belong in this body. This is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am God's child. Sickness is not a, a gift from him. I refused to let sickness have dominion over me. Sickness is of the curse. Jesus has redeemed me from the curse. I am healed. I am well. And I don't care what you feel like. You speak and bring forth the truth that's in your spirit. That body will change. Your body will change. But what happens is we go by our five senses again. We feel depressed. We feel fearful. And then you start saying, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm so fearful. God says he's given you his peace. How can you be depressed? How can you be fearful? It's because you're letting your senses drive it. Even if you feel depressed, the way to be led by the Spirit is is say, I have the peace of God. I have the joy of God. The joy of God lives inside of me. I refuse to accept depression, and I release God's joy, God's happiness. See, you're plugging into your spirit now. You're unplugging from the flesh and plugging into the spirit. And that's what will change your flesh. And it will stop your flesh from controlling you. You've got fle- or control over your flesh. See, the whole thing is perverted. It's turned upside down. And born-again believers, unfortunately, are no different than the rest of the world. We're going around just as sick, depressed, broke, disgusted as the rest of the world. That shouldn't be. We're children of the king. We're God's children. We're healed. We're whole. We're blessed. We got to start living like it. We got to start acting like it. But you got to plug into your spirit and find out who you are in your regenerated spirit to do this. That's why it's so important to read the word. You have to use the word as your spiritual mirror. See, you can't see your spirit. I use this example a lot. Nobody in here has ever seen their face. You have never actually seen your face. You look in a mirror and you see a reflection of your face. 
you have faith and trust that that's what you really look like. But you are still going by what that reflection is showing you. See, that's the way God's word does for us. That's what God's word does for us. When it says that by Jesus' stripes you are healed, he wants you to hold up his word like a mirror and say, okay, that's what I am in my spirit. That's what I look like in my spirit. Just like you trust that mirror, what you look like, you trust the word of God that that's what you look like in your spirit. And then you start renewing your mind. And then you're releasing what's in your mind. That by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. I am healed by Jesus' stripes. Surely. Now, isn't it interesting? It's so interesting with Isaiah 53 that we quote so much that it starts off with surely. You know, most of the church, we don't have too much of a problem saying that Jesus died for our sins. We don't have too much of a problem believing that. In fact, as you, as you read verses 4 and 5 in Isaiah 53, in verse 5 he says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's our sins. But you know, there's no surely there. Jesus, or our God, our Father, knew that the church would struggle with believing healing was part of the finished work of Jesus. He knew that the church would argue about whether healing is real. He knew that we would struggle with believing if we're healed or not. Do you think God has to say truly, you know, really, I'm telling you the truth. Do you think he's got to say that? No, but he loves us so much, he does. He says, surely. This Hebrew word means truly, indeed. And just like I'm saying it, it, look it up. It says in there, it's supposed to be presented with a strong, assertive force. Surely. Surely. He has borne our griefs, and like Cindy taught, that means our sicknesses and diseases and carried our sorrows and our pain. Surely, that's your spiritual mirror. When you look at that's who you are in your spirit. You see that word, that word we just read? You just looked in your spiritual mirror. You saw what you are in your spirit. Now you have a choice. I can't make you do it. God can't make you do it. You have a choice to believe what that mirror, his mirror is showing you and make an adjustment. Just like when you look in a mirror and your hair is messed up, you believe that mirror, that your hair is messed up and you make an adjustment. Or women, you believe your makeup is messed up, you make an adjustment. Read God's word, the spiritual mirror, and see if adjustment needs to be made. If you're doubting that God's healing is real, surely, surely, he has borne, Jesus has borne, Jesus took 
all sickness, all disease on his body. And by his stripes, you were healed. You are healed. You are walking in divine health with resurrection life here on this earth, bringing God's kingdom to this earth in a manifestation right here, right now. We're children of God. Let's start acting like it. That's a great place to stop, I think. (laughs) Renew your mind. You know, I say this out of love. I know because I rejected this word for so long. I've lived on both sides of it. And let me tell you, being on God's side, being on the winning side, so much better. God can do things so much better than I ever could. God's ways are so much higher and better than our ways. Unplug from your flesh. Replug back into your regenerated spirit. Be led by the spirit. Renew your mind as you read the word, as you look in the spiritual mirror, and then start releasing it. You release it by speaking it. You believe it in your heart, and then you start talking it. You start speaking it. You start meditating it. That's what you start thinking about all the time. That's what Paul says when you have an issue. Uh, Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, give it all to your Father with thanksgiving. Why? Because it's already taken care of. That's why you can be thankful Even before you see the manifestation of it, you can be thankful. You should be thankful. And then he goes further and tells you on all the things that you should be thinking on. Think of all the things that are good, of good report, of lovely, are virtuous. All the good things. All the good things of God. All the good things of Jesus. Think on, weigh, take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. Practice what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, will dwell in you, will come and manifest out of you. But what do we do? We think on, we dwell, we meditate on everything that's wrong, everything that's a bad report, all the problems, all the pains, all the bad diagnosis that we get from the doctor. We weigh, we think, we meditate on those things. That's the flesh. You're not thinking on things that are good and lovely and of good report. That's what will change your circumstances. In the midst of the storm, Jesus is there walking on the water. Peter kept his eyes on Jesus and he was walking on water. As soon as he took his eyes off of Jesus and started looking at the circumstances, he began to sink. He started focusing on his the, the circumstances, his senses started controlling the situation. At first, he, the spirit was controlling it. Who can walk on water? In Christ, we can do anything. Amen. He was walking on Why he had his eyes fixed on Jesus. He saw his spiritual mirror. He saw who he was in Jesus. The minute he started looking at the waves and the wind and the, his, what his five senses were telling him, what are you nuts? You can't walk on water. He took his eyes off of Jesus. 
he started focusing on things that are of death and of lack. The poverty mentality. The kingdom hillbilly mentality. And he began to sink. Our father says, here's life. Here's death. He even tells me, he sticks his hand. Here, here's life. Choose life. That's back here. Choose life. The gift's right there. Take it. Open it. Enjoy it. Live it. Speak it. Let it become who you are. But we still have a free will. We have a choice. We can reject everything that God has offered us. You can have all of the spiritual benefits, all of God's benefits laying dormant in your spirit if you choose. As for me and my family, we choose to let them out and let them manifest. Let life be in Jesus.